Good morning to everybody. Um, very quickly before I begin, in answer to some questions, yes, there is room for everybody in Module 1. Module 1 begins in a few days on uh, this coming Friday, and you can join us by Zoom. I'm not saying there's room here. The physical uh, desks and they're just about full. But on Zoom, you can still join us. And so if you were wondering, it would be good to do so. It is a module one always is a very special module in that we scan the entire school and see where we're going and see what this is all about. And um, so if you are planning to join us on Zoom, please call Judy at once, because even though I'm saying this, we must, we must know that you're coming. Uh, this is not just a knock at the door at the last minute. Okay? Okay, so I want you to turn to a couple of scriptures. Um, and the first one is in Ephesians, in chapter 1, um, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation or maybe a better translation, before the fall of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed or lavished upon us, in the beloved Lord Jesus. And then Romans 8 and verse 15, you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. If children, heirs also, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, we may also be glorified with him. The obvious uh, word that comes up in both texts is adoption as sons. It is amazing the lack of understanding concerning this. I looked just, uh, well, I just looked for the sake of looking, in a, a great tome that I have uh, on the theology of the evangelical church and I looked under adoption and it didn't really have anything there uh, just a hint that if you went to this page you might find something and, and so I went there and essentially it said you know it's a wonderful thing <laughs> that was it and yet this stands in the scripture as the very pinnacle it is where everything is moving. This is the grand finale. And yet the church has stopped far short of this. 
and come up with some funny little phrase that isn't in the scripture about going to heaven when you die. But adoption as sons, being included into the family of God, the family of the Holy Trinity, that's what it's all about. And I want to look at it. Um, it it's, and that now, okay, that's the big one. Now, getting down to where we begin, and, and I'm going to say things that it could offend people. I'm, I'm ready for that. Uh, it certainly could be you've never heard this before. That's very possible. So please do not get up and leave until I'm finished. Um, because what I'm saying is of tremendous importance. And it begins, actually, the very roots of what I'm saying begin in Genesis 1.27, where it says that God created male and female, and we were created thus in the image of God. That is, hear me very carefully, the image of God is not the male. The image of God is to be found in the highest and most beautiful attributes of the male and the female. And it takes two humans, and not only two humans, but two different humans, male and female, in order to image God within creation. That's of tremendous importance, and I don't have to tell you that over the last centuries, the church has blatantly ignored that. And, and, and so um, that's the first thing. We, we are underscoring that. Uh, and in today, and I'm not certainly going into this, but our identity as male or identity as female is not just the toss of a coin. It, it is not the roll of a dice in some cosmic Las Vegas that you're female and you're male, hell hum. No, you're female, you're male is of such tremendous, it's of unending importance in that you, because of who you are, are part of imaging God in the midst of creation. Well, okay, having said that, and that's quite a mouthful in today's world, but having said that, we then begin to walk through the verses of Genesis 1. And a very interesting thing begins to be seen. And begins not only to be seen there, but then expands all through the rest of Scripture. And that is that we meet the Holy Spirit almost immediately, um, right at the very beginning. God um, created, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Earth was formless, void, darkness upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. Now, that expression, was moving, is a feminine expression. It is actually a beautiful expression. It describes a mother bird that is standing in her nest over the eggs, and she's fanning them to bring the temperature just right for the eggs to hatch. And it's used elsewhere in the scripture, but it's definitely a mother bird that is fanning the eggs to call forth the life that is in them. 
And it says then that the Holy Spirit was as a mother bird hovering, fluttering, you could say, over the primitive creation and bringing it forth. The Holy Spirit is involved in the birthing of creation. And it states it very plainly, especially in the Hebrew language. And what I'm going to say at this point is, what I'm saying is rooted in the Hebrew language and also in the Greek language. And it doesn't translate, at least you have to work with it, that there are certain words that are feminine in nature and there are certain words that are male in nature. We don't have it in English at all. And um, when I was learning French, I, I was absolutely befuddled that they, they called this feminine and that was, you know, uh, here now in Texas, it's a matter of Mexico and Spanish. And, and if you're speaking about a male, you say Latino, but you wouldn't dare speak of a female as Latino. She's Latina. And so the words tell me the feminine or the masculine. And that is true in the languages of the Bible. And so without wasting time going into it, accept that reality. Um, that we are faced right from the first chapter of Scripture with the Holy Spirit as having the feminine attributes in the God who it takes both male and female in order to tell us who he really is. Now, let me, this is not what I'm saying. I, I'm, I am not saying that the Holy Spirit is a woman. I am not saying she is a goddess. No, 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 no. In all of scripture, though there is this continual reference to the feminine, it is not saying that she's a wife. The Holy Spirit is not the wife of the Father. That is not even considered in scripture. Nor is she looked upon as the sister of Jesus. No, 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 no. Never, never. If you get nothing else, that's what it's not. She has no body. The Holy Spirit is invisible. And, and therefore, there is no reference whatsoever to gender or to, in any sexual terms. This is simply saying that there are attributes of the feminine which are unique to the feminine, which are needed in our understanding of the character of God. And we find those attributes in the Holy Spirit. And there, all through Scripture, there are such references made in the original language. It comes up again, Deuteronomy 32.10. It's speaking of God's dealings with Israel. But um, it, it says, it found him in a desert land, howling waste of wilderness. He encircled him. He put his arms around him. He cared for him, nurtured him. He guarded him as the pupil of his eye. And here, it, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that hovers over its young. There it's the same, the mother eagle who brings her baby eaglets and, and hovers or, or watches over them with her wings. And, and then it spreads his wings and caught them, which is how the eagle teaches the eaglet to fly. She essentially kicks them out of the nest and then goes underneath them and catches them. Yeah. And this is speaking of God. 
And as the scriptures unfold, it is speaking of the work of the Holy Spirit. But what about this one, Isaiah 49? Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. The response, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. That is the most blatant statement that the relationship of the Holy Spirit to us is to be likened to a mother and a mother feeding a newborn baby or the work of the Holy Spirit in mankind at certain points where where mankind is as stubborn as can be and there is this anguish There is this expression of pain as the Holy Spirit works to bring forth who we really are in Christ. And it says, Isaiah 42, But now, like a woman in childbirth, I, God, cry out, I gasp and pant. He said, I'm bringing forth my purpose. And it's likened to a woman in childbirth. Or Isaiah 66, he speaks to his people and says, you will nurse, you will be carried on her arm, dandled on her knees. Do you know that expression? It's in old English. You've got the baby on your knee. Uh, And it is saying, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. Well, I could keep going. You've, you know... That these references that we can pass over so quickly and, and simply dismiss them as illustrations. But the overall picture of Scripture is you are dealing with the very heart of God in these Scriptures. Or what about Proverbs? What is it, Proverbs 8, where wisdom, yeah, yeah wisdom is portrayed specifically and no doubt about it as lady wisdom it is the feminine all the way through wisdom is in the female the feminine and to the ancient hebrews wisdom and holy spirit were synonymous and so you find as we move through the old testament those hebrews who would be believers with insight began to speak of spirit and wisdom as feminine. Or what about um, that name of God, El Shaddai? El Shaddai. And in our Bible so often it's translated as God Almighty. Sometimes I want to slap a face. I mean, I tell, where on earth do they get God Almighty out of Shaddai, which could very plainly be translated the breasted one. It it means the nourisher. It means the one who takes the child and presses it to breast and suckles the child. Shad, Shaddai. Um, I tell did you know the cloud of glory? If you're familiar with Old Testament, you might have heard the expression Shekinah glory. It's that glory of God that was above the ark in the tabernacle. Did you know that is 100% a female word? 
And the only way you can say it is she. It's, it's the word that expresses the glory of God as being feminine. Um, again, that cloud led them, guided them, provided the manna, provided the water from the rock, protected them from their enemies. The mother. It's very interesting that what we know of the very first believers, and of course all the first believers were Hebrews. You do know that, don't you? They, they were, I mean, the first chapters of Acts, it's all Hebrews that are coming to know Jesus as Messiah. But all those first Hebrews in letters that we have that are not in our Bible, but, but they are letters that those persons wrote. And the Holy Spirit is always referred to as Mother Spirit. And it was only sometime later that was dropped. But from the very beginning, the Mother Spirit. Okay, as I go into this, we're going to play with that and see how it fits into our experience. You see, we were created to live in seamless union with the Holy Spirit. I know because of the way the church has gone over the centuries, they have rejected the Holy Spirit. But the fact is, if I take the scripture, makes it plain we were created to live in this seamless union with the Holy Spirit. You are not a full human being unless you are living in this union with the Spirit. That's how we were created to be. Um, and the Holy Spirit is the one who shows us Jesus. Yet you will never know Jesus unless the Holy Spirit shows you. He's the one that opens our eyes. He's the one that gives us revelation. And not only who he is, but what he's accomplished. And also specifically what he knows as final truth and what he knows and believes about us. And so the Holy Spirit shows us that, that we are now united with the very mind of Christ. Again, that's 1 Corinthians 2, we have the mind of Christ, and it says specifically because we have the Spirit, and the Spirit feeds the mind of Christ in us, and we know, we know how God thinks of us. We know what Jesus says about us because the Holy Spirit is the one who interprets the heart of God to us. And of course, the same applies through Jesus. The Holy Spirit shows us the Father, who he is, what his plans are, the destiny that has been set out before us since before the foundation of the world. And again, to believe what the Father believes about us. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and he does so quietly. Uh, if I could put it kind of, it, the, he, the, the Holy Spirit is the quietest member of the Holy Trinity. Uh, the, the work of the Holy Spirit is to show who Jesus is, to show who the Father is, and keep out of sight. Now, the original blueprint, that is where all of this is going to, is that we should be adopted into the family of God. Now, Andrew said this so perfectly last week, I don't want to really repeat it, but it is not as adoption is in the West. It is a better translation with the placing of a son. 
It is that you, you are in the family, but you, you are not recognized as a full son yet. You're in training and you're kicking your heels. And, but there comes the time when you are placed legally, factually, and you are declared to be a son in the family, adopted. And we who were created by God, our original parent, God our Father, the original parent, and we've forgotten who he is. And like a person with dementia, we look at our parent and don't know who they are. And sin has blinded us. And so we wander. We're lost. We don't know who we are. We don't know where we came from. And we don't know the family we belong to. It's a terrible, terrible thing. And so then through Jesus Christ, we are placed it's where it's not a new idea. You're not a stranger that we dragged off the street. You you belong in this family, but you are now placed into the family to discover who you really are. Now that is uh, now stay with me. Now that is achieved through Jesus. We read it Ephesians one through Jesus Christ that we are adopted. But what we so often miss. Jesus, the name of the incarnate Son of God. Christ is not his surname. Christ is a designation. It is saying he is the Christed. The Old Testament word is Messiah. It means one who is anointed by the Spirit, one upon whom the Spirit has come in order to achieve the goal, the end. And so what it is saying, it is through Jesus, the anointed one. Jesus, who has the fullness of the Holy Spirit upon him, who is going to achieve this wonder that we who are creatures, begun persons, are going to be elevated and placed into the family of the Creator God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that is done through the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And that is why when uh, we have neglected the Holy Spirit, we say, well, you know, adoption's a jolly good idea. We don't know where to go with it because it is the work of the Holy Spirit. I cannot understand Jesus. I don't know where he's at outside of the Holy Spirit. He is born of the Spirit. The Spirit came upon the Virgin Mary and, and resulted in Jesus in the womb of the Virgin. Um, and the Holy Spirit never left him. Now, the Holy Spirit is with him, and we always say age-appropriate. That is, uh, the two-year-old Jesus didn't act like a 20-year-old in terms of the Holy Spirit. He is a genuine two-year-old human upon whom the Spirit is working at the two-year-old level. But it's factual to say he never left. The Holy Spirit is with Jesus. Therefore, Jesus is everything human was ever meant to be in that he is the man, Christ Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is upon him. And it is through the Spirit he hears the Father. 
It is through the Spirit he is going to do all his mighty works. Okay. So Jesus, now hear me, Jesus does not appear on the stage in response to Adam's sin. If you hang around us, you've heard that many times before. But let me say it anyway, that it isn't that Adam sinned and so now we have to pull out the Texas Rangers to come and save him. Um, No, Jesus coming in our flesh to become a human creature who the Holy Spirit dwells upon was always, always the the pattern that that's that was not brought on by Adam. That was determined before the foundation of the world at the council of the Holy Trinity that they shall make us, create us with the specific purpose of through Jesus Christ we're going to be adopted into the family of God. And that's why Jesus said, I am the first and the last. And so he's the one where it all began before time began. And he's the one where it all comes to its conclusion in the resurrection and the ascension. He spans the whole purpose of God and the beginning and the end all at once in me. He, he's, he's the common denominator between the beginning and the end. And he is the beginning, at the same time he is the end. He's the A and the Z. You know all those scriptures that say much the same thing. But I have to emphasize, because we don't hear it too much, that he doesn't come to do the work alone. Well, I, You don't hear that. Jesus came and he was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Um, and he, he was... The the Holy Spirit is his, what shall I say, best friend? That's maybe, we should go a lot further than that. But the Holy Spirit is the one that is there filling in fullness Jesus at every age movement. He is there throughout his life. It's not much mentioned about it, but what is really opens it up. Do you remember Luke chapter 2? when he comes to his 12 years old and he's moving into teenage, and it says that he was filled with wisdom. Hold it. If anything is filled, who's doing the filling? Um, And so right there you have this just side. It's not emphasized, but it's there. It's in that same um, verses that it speaks of Jesus advancing and cutting a path where human has never walked before, but he does so because the Holy Spirit is with him and filling him. Luke 4, how does he begin his ministry? By a very blatant statement. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and therefore I'm going to do all of these things. Um, in Matthew 12, he, he says, I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, and when I do that, you know that the kingdom of God has come. So Jesus never envisioned anything that he did or anywhere we were going outside of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is the key to this. And could I put it like this? How did the Holy Spirit get to know us? Because the Holy Spirit, let me say again, has no body. And therefore was the Holy Spirit is not incarnate. The Holy Spirit did not 
in that sense, join the human race. So how does she know us? Knows us because filling Jesus, and theologians since the second century have tried to say it, um, but because she is in Jesus, one with him, then she learns how to handle us butt-headed humans. Um, Irenaeus, he's second century, just right after the Acts of the Apostles, and he said the Holy Spirit accustomed himself to us because he was one with Jesus who is utterly joined with us. And so the Holy Spirit now in Jesus, with Jesus, enters into our brokenness. So the Holy Spirit knows us so well because was with Jesus in all his going into the darkness of human beings, knows our blindness, knows our dementia, knows our slavery to the lie, knows our rebellion to the Father and to the original blueprint. The Holy Spirit knows it and is not shocked by it. Um, uh, many people think of God, let alone the Holy Spirit, as some Victorian prude, um, you know, the lady that she hears a curse word and collapses and has to be brought around with smelling salts. Um, the Holy Spirit is not like that. The, the Holy Spirit is more to be understood as a nurse in a mental hospital. <laughs> <coughs> Uh, yeah, uh, she she knows us. She knows us, but with infinite tenderness and gentleness and kindness, is dealing with us and bringing us to have our eyes opened. Um, I, I I hear the cry of the spirit when Jesus cried over Jerusalem. How often would I have gathered you as a hen gathers her children, gathers her chicks? Now that's that sounds like Holy Spirit. That, that's that's gathering us here. And right then, okay, now we've been through the cross, we've been through the resurrection, and Jesus comes into the upper room. As I said, Andrew dealt with this last week, but I'll touch on it. That he comes and he breathes on them. That word is only used twice in the Bible, um, once in the Hebrew and the other time in the Greek. And that is when Adam was now a pile of dust. And it says, and the Lord breathed. And it's not sort of, it is face to face. It's actually more like, uh, you know, giving resuscitation. It's breathing your breath into another's mouth. And it's also used to describe playing a flute or you're breathing right into the instrument. And so Adam came to life when the Lord breathed into him the breath of life. That same word is then used in the upper room after the resurrection that Jesus breathed upon them. And again, I say it wasn't a sort of mass breathing. It was one by one, almost holding their face and breathing into their mouth and saying, receive. And that word, receive, um, is better understood as take. 
It, it isn't sort of you sit passively and, and here I'm giving you a gift. There's another word for that. This word receive is, this is done, this is yours, now take, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, think, what is happening here? It couldn't be plainer. Jesus is making it so plain that he is actually exhaling the spirit that is in him. He is now actually sharing it with the disciples, with us. It is that they, us, are now participating in the very same spirit that has been in and upon Jesus since the beginning. So it isn't that he's got this gift over here and gives it to you. It is that the Holy Spirit has been his gift, and as John says, he received without measure, and now he comes one by one by one and actually imparts into them the spirit that has been his constant companion since the very beginning. But, and this is the big one, in giving her away, he in no way depletes himself. It's very important. When when the spirit is given, the giver does not lose anything. And, And so Jesus has as much of a relationship to the Holy Spirit after he has given her away, as he did before. But it means, it actually means the same Holy Spirit that was involved in the incarnation, the same Holy Spirit, Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now in us, the same. So the Holy Spirit is now upon in Jesus. Now, because he never stopped being the human, taking our place. And so the Holy Spirit is now upon Jesus. And at the self-same moment is in and upon us. We, we share the same Holy Spirit. Now that opens up another six weeks. But So we often speak we're co-crucified. That is when Jesus died, he had included us. You died with Christ. You were resurrected with Christ, yes. But also you ascended with Christ and you are co-anointed. You are, in that sense, a a Christ by grace. You have received the anointed. The Holy Spirit doesn't take the place of Jesus. The Holy Spirit rather, what can I say, um, shines upon him, enhances him. uh, And uh, so how do you know Christ lives in you? Because the Holy Spirit told you though we don't realize that at the time. But that's how it works. The Holy Spirit is forever causing us to come to know who Jesus is and the Father. Now, now don't. it's very hard to talk of the Holy Trinity in this way. I don't know another way of doing it. But don't forget 
that it's one, the Holy Spirit is one uh, with the Father and the Son, one, one, seamless one, inseparable one. And so when we say the Father is love and the Son is the word of the Father, love, in all that he did, um, and when the Son establishes a relationship with us in our darkness, at our worst, um, that's also true of the Holy Spirit. The thing with the Holy Spirit is he's the first one we meet. Before you met Jesus, you met the Holy Spirit. You might not have realized it, but that was because who opened your eyes to Jesus? Who made you even want Jesus? It was the Holy Spirit. You met him first. And you met Jesus through the Spirit, and through Jesus you met the Father. That's right. But it's love, love, love. And so I'm not saying the Holy Spirit is this tender, gentle, beautiful, um, long-suffering, nourishing, nurturing, and the Father isn't. I'm saying this is the Holy Trinity, but this is where we meet the nurturing God in the Holy Spirit. And he's going to fulfill that most ancient intention. And he's going to, he's going to bring us into the new creation. But that will be essentially achieved by the Holy Spirit in the tender, feminine love of the Spirit. Um, now, one translation that... Um, does it right and um, I'm sure it's no surprise um, is, is our friend Francois if you go to the mirror translation you will find that he always puts in the she um, and the feminine in the right place and so in Luke twenty four forty nine, Jesus says behold I myself will be sending the blessing proceeding from the father that blessing is her whom he has promised to rest upon you. And so he's saying everything that she is to me, I am now giving her to you, and she is the blessing of the Father. And you could push that on beyond that that the three raised Jesus from the dead. You, you can find in Scripture the Father raised him. You can find in Scripture Jesus raised himself. But essentially, again, whenever it speaks directly, it says the Spirit is the one that raised him from the dead. Um, let me read it because it plays into what we're talking. You see, when he was raised from the dead, so were you. That means that you have known the working of the Holy Spirit in your life to raise you out from the death and darkness and dementia. So what does he say? He said, um, it's interesting, Ephesians 1.15, For this reason I too, I've heard of your faith and your love for all saints. That is, these were Christians and they'd got it together. They'd heard the gospel. It had an effect in their lives. But he doesn't stop there, as many, many do. He says, I do not cease giving thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. 
Because what's happened to you is the beginning. It's the introduction. It's the preface to the first volume. We've got to move on from here. How do we move on? He says, I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom. Proverbs 8. And of revelation, the Greek word apocalypsis, which means tearing the curtains off so the sun can pour in. In the knowledge of him, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or flooded with light would be another translation, so that you will know what the hope of his calling is. What's the hope of his calling? From before the foundation of the world, when you were called into being by the word of God, with that came the hope, expectancy, that you are going to be placed into the family of God. And not only that, but what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? For this is real. We're not playing with words. You are truly a child of God. Therefore, with that comes the inheritance. And then it says, and what is? Now here, the the Greek words are just piled on top of each other, um, trying to find the strength of it. It says that you may know, the Holy Spirit, open your eyes so that you will know what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. This is in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him his right hand in heavenly places, far above all authority, power, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He is saying that the Holy Spirit is the one who makes real to you the hope of your calling, makes now what happened before the beginning of the cosmos. And that Holy Spirit shows you the inheritance that comes with it and shows you that you were included in this, I don't know the word, explosion, um, this expression of the power of God so that we run out of words. Um, what, what is it? The working um, that word energia in the Greek, strength, dunamis, of his might, kratos. Uh, there's three big words for the power of God, all piled on top of each other, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and sat him in heavenly places, and you were in him. I say this, the Holy Spirit, she did this, and that is why she birthed you. You were birthed out of death by the same power that birthed Jesus out of death. And so the father said to Jesus, you are my son this day, I have begotten you. You've come out of death. And not only so, but you were in him. And so to you, says 1 Peter 1.3, at his resurrection, you were born again. And in our experience, I say again, our experience, we meet the Holy Spirit first. And this birthing process where, where we're connected, we, our eyes are opened to see what is in the resurrection is now is in us. And in that experience, it's the Holy Spirit we meet first. And the Holy, he, 
The Holy Spirit will convince you of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. She will lead you to the full heart of knowing what eternal life is, which is face to face with the Father in Christ. In the, that, the, the beginning, when, when you, you see it, you're, you're touched with this tender love, this love that is uniquely mother love, the kindness, the gentleness, the wisdom, Father's love revealed in Christ and now put into us in, in the, the mother spirit. So she births us out of death. We are born of the spirit. New birth, new creation. That's our first touch with who God is. We, we meet God in the face of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, which is tenderness, compassion, self-control or balance. Now, that's going to be the rest of your life. He goes on, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's, let's be known as people of the Spirit. She's called the paraclete, and that's been translated the helper, which is good enough, or others say comforter, which, you know. But as long as you understand the comfort this one gives is not a tissue to wipe your tears away. That's not comfort. Um, I don't know where to put that, but comfort is a Latin word. C-O-M means with, uh, fort or forte. Well, that means a defensive and offensive strength, a bulwark. Um, well, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, when this enemy comes in like a flood, but it's the Holy Spirit that lifts up a standard against the enemy. Um, that's mother love. I would have a healthy respect for mother love. Yes. Don't you mess with a mother. Uh, now, and I'm serious. I'm very serious here. There is something about a mother love that is, well, it needs the mother love said because it's, it's different. Um, it is fierce. It, it is terrifying. Um, and that goes throughout creation as if it is so important that in, in creating, we, we, wherever we turn, we see this mother love. We, we've got some um, feral cats that have come to our garden and got kittens. And Cheryl went out there the other day and here's this, you know, sweet little cat. Only as she approached, <laughs> uh, yeah, don't mess. <laughs> I've got kittens here. You know, it's um, when I was in Africa, you you were warned that the most dangerous animal in Africa is the mother elephant, who has got babies. I, I was driving um, through the jungle at one point, and and suddenly, right in front of me, this little tiny elephant came out, such a baby, you could have, you know, swung one leg over it. That That's the kiss of death. You see that, you stop your car and you get in reverse 
as fast as you can, because where that baby is, you know who's, you know who's coming out next. And she did. And that little baby elephant got between her legs and just threw up his trunk at me uh, as if I care about you. And, 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 but then she put up her trunk and her ears began to go crazy. And yeah, mother, in, in fact, compassion, one, one translation of that could be womb love. It's, yeah. Ever thought of the Holy Spirit as a raging mother? She's your protector. She's your bulwark. She's your strength. She'll never let you go. See, the Holy Spirit is God with us now, now. Um, And that's why always, that's where we meet first. And we see all of this expanded in the incarnate Jesus and in the Father, but we meet this in the Holy Spirit. God help the church that neglects the Holy Spirit. It says in 1 Peter 2 that we as babes, we we drink the, the milk of God, the milk of the Word. See, in, in the Hebrew culture, it was the mother that taught the children. Um, the father didn't show up in terms of teaching the children until the bar mitzvah at around 12, 13 years old. No, it was the, the mother who was the teacher, the mother who was the guide to adulthood. And in the mirror translation, Francois puts it, but when she comes, the spirit of truth, she will take you by the hand and guide you into the path of all truth. She will not draw attention to herself, but will communicate, unveil everything she hears and discerns from a heavenly perspective about all the things that are about to happen to you. And that's our experience. I, I don't have to say what on earth does that mean. I know what it means. I think you do too. You see, what what is it that she tells us? What is this all truth? The truth that sums up truth. It is adoption. That that is where we began before the cosmos. Um, and it is the Holy Spirit who now teaches us this is who you are. You might not have known it, you might have been crazy in the head, you you don't get it. But you were created. God, the creator, is your father. You belong in the family of God. And Jesus has come and joined himself to you to carry you into the, the, the Holy Spirit is the one that she, she's upon him and upon you, which means you're one together. You couldn't be closer. The very mind of Christ is your mind. You're one. And you now see yourself as children adopted in the family, and that's the way it is. Um, we we have to get beyond the, this. Um, it's such a dead thing. You can talk about this and get more excited over the Manhattan phone book. It, it's, look, the triune love that is coming, pouring to us through the Holy Spirit is not passive. You could never sit there and just say, God is love. 
God's love is active. In fact, more active than any word we've got in English to say. The, the, the love of God is living. And in ancient English, it would be lively, which I like better. Um, it's the relentless movement of a relationship. It's the going out of personal energy, the passion, the limitless movement of the being of God to reunite us to that purpose for which we were created. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. You have received a spirit of adoption, adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit herself testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. And if we are then, we're also heirs. Because we really are children of God. So therefore we're heirs. We inherit the fellow heirs with Christ. So Holy Spirit, the, the, the mother teacher, is teaching us little babies that are our class, her classroom, teaching us to say, Abba, take our place in the family. Galatians 4, because you really are sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son, the Holy Spirit that had been with Jesus from the beginning, sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, you're no longer a slave, you are a son. Since you're a son, God has made you also an heir. And it says, we cry, Abba, Father, and that word is used in both Romans text and this one. It's um, it's a hard word to put into English, really. Cry is okay, but it, it describes a loud cry, almost the echo of another loud cry in our heart. That is, I cry, Abba, Father. Where did I get that from? I got that from the Holy Spirit. She said to say it. Where did she get it from? She heard Jesus say it. Jesus says, Abba, Father. He's the one who speaks directly to the Father, Abba, Father. But he says it inside of me. So I hear his voice through the Holy Spirit. I hear his voice saying, Abba, Father. And she says, you say it too. Go on, you say it, you say it. And so we cry, Abba, Father. And we're crying, Abba, Father, in complete harmony with Jesus, who is the original Abba, Father. This word cry, it describes its intention. I am going to be heard with intention. That's the meaning of cry. It means I'm contradicting all the babble of other opinions and intentions. There's a million voices screaming. I am going to overcome those voices. I am going to say the truth, Abba Father. It's a sort of word which stamps its foot and says this is the way it is. 
We're engulfed, put it this way. We are engulfed in the voice of Jesus. And so we take his voice and make it our voice and we say, Abba, Father. It's what in, in Revelation it says his voice is like the sound of many waters. And whatever else that means, it means you, you can't hear anything else. There's a million drops of water pouring over the waterfall and I can't hear anything else except the sound of many waters. And so our mother spirit assures us, gives witness in our hearts. She continually connects us to this seamless union with Christ. He says it, you say it. He is it, you is it. And so he cries, I say again, Abba, Father. And the Holy Spirit gives us that unearthly, assured boldness that says we are, and we are the heirs of God. It, it um, kind of brings you, as I say, this is the grand finale. This is the goal, and so therefore it doesn't surprise me that it brings us right back to the beginning that this is the God who refuses to be God without us. I mean, well, from the beginning, the plan has been we're going to place you into the family of the Holy Trinity. And so um, we're placed there to enjoy the full status. And I've told you before, sons is not just being masculine. Sons is that you are in the Son. And so you have the same relationship, you're participating in the same relationship as the Son has with the Father. It's not saying that, you know, this is just for the masculine. This is saying that you have been brought into a relationship to the Father that is participating in the Son, and you are sons. And it... It goes back to he's in us and we're in him. We're not strangers. It isn't that, you know, we were picked up on the highway and say, how would you like to come to the family of God? This is, no, we're lost, we're crazy, but we're not strangers. We're known. If I am adopted in this sense, I'm a participant in his fullness. I'm filled with the fullness of God. And we have that same relationship that we've talked about, that even as the Father is in the Son, but he doesn't lose himself in the Son, any more than he doesn't drown the Son out, there's the Father, and there's the Son, and there's the Holy Spirit, and there is room to move and room to be themselves. They're not lost in each other. And you're not lost in God. And please hear me, because many of you have been taught you are. You know, um, all of him and none of me. It wasn't me, it was the Lord and all that stuff. No, you, 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 you make an imprint in history. You are of vast importance. It isn't that you disappear and he becomes everything. That sounds very spiritual, but it's, it's absolutely unbiblical. 
You don't disappear. In fact, I can see you plainer today than I've ever seen you before. Um, You know, I I am more me today than I was 20 years ago. Um, But it's a me that's in Christ. So uh, I, I don't take him over and say it's all me. But then he doesn't take me over and say none of you and all of me. It is that we are working in this incredible partnership in which I live, yet not I, it's Christ who lives in me. You're adopted, you're, you're in, in the family. Um, isn't it fantastic? Jesus doesn't leave us to figure all this out on our own. You know? He, he said, remember in the upper room, he said, I've come to the end. He said, there's so many things I would want to teach you, but uh, it just plain isn't the time. You're not going to get it. Um, therefore, when she is come, she will lead you into it. I'm going to hand you over. Okay? Um, we've planned this since before the cosmos, and, and now the time has come. I've done everything that is mine to do. And now... I'm, I'm carrying y'all in, in, into the heavens, but I'm handing over to the Holy Spirit. And she's the mother who's going to teach you who you really are. Um, he doesn't leave us to figure it out on our own. And nor did he introduce intellect and say, you've got to read a lot of books here and I've got a reading list. And, you know, this is not a school classroom. Forget it. It's not laborious learning. It isn't tests and <coughs> exams and theories. It's the living Word of God revealed to us by God the Holy Spirit herself. And then to put off and away from me everything that does not conform to who I now see that I am. So this is, have you ever seen, um, and I, I'm not going to, I keep saying evangelical, but, you know, I was raised with them, so I know about it. But um, so often you get, um, it's sort of blurps uh, advertising uh, where you see this alleged pious, holy person who, who's sitting with the books and their pen uh, and they're studying the scripture have you ever seen that? Mm-hmm. And the image that is always given, that if you really are getting serious, then, well, then you, you are one who will study and you'll probably go to Bible school and go on to be a doctor of theology. And then you'll be really spiritual. That only came about after the church had kicked the Holy Spirit out. Wow. Before that, no one would ever think of that. It was the mother is coming to teach her little children. This isn't a classroom with a schedule and a curriculum, and you've got to read these books, and you've got to answer these questions, and you've got to have your quiet time and write. This is relationship we're talking about. Um, It's a mother surrounded by her children, and she begins where we are. There's no curriculum. You've got a problem. Let's begin there. Let's, Let's start. It's the mother who is the keeper of our destiny. 
And she's watching over our steps to teach us. One of the best illustrations of this I know, um, do you remember Moses um, and he's floating down the Nile and he's picked up by the princess, taken into the palace? And I know the backstory in Egyptian history and therefore she would have done everything in her power to present him as an Egyptian prince and um, sort of push him toward becoming the next pharaoh. And you remember in the incredible providence of God that um, little girl Miriam runs up to the princess and says, do you have a, a nurse to look after them? Because I just found one, you know. <laughs> and, and her Moses' mother is now employed by the palace to look after the baby. So what, what, so, and of course, in any such situation, the nurse sees a lot more of the child than the princess does. And and so, here is the, the, the mother, the mother, the mother of Moses, almost undercover, is sitting teaching Moses, this is who you really are. You know, you're not an Egyptian. You're, you're really one of the people of God. And all the inheritance that is the people, that's, that's your inheritance. And, and I see that, the Holy Spirit. I, I hesitate to say undercover. She doesn't need to be undercover. But the Holy Spirit sits with us in this dark world and says, you're not of this world, even as Jesus is not of this world. I've got news for you. This is you. This is you. This is you. This is you. Yeah. See, the church today has an image of God without a mother. And that's why you you have this image of God that people are afraid. I remember not so long ago, this guy was giving his testimony. Um, uh, Some testimony. But he he says... um, yeah, the Lord took me to the woodshed and really made me know how bad I am. And now I, I've had a good beating and I'm ready to live. I said, I think you met Satan. <laughs> I don't think you met your dad. Um, no, we've got, the, the picture is, you know, wait till your father gets home, except there's no mother to say it. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. we, we, really, that is the mentality of the church. That, that we're wrong, we're bad, we're no good, and God's upset with this. But there's no sense of a God who puts his arms around us and nourishes us and teaches us when we're acting stupid and when I'm thick-headed and I don't get it. There's no concept of God who um, keeps no record of wrongs, no condemnation, just let's get on with this and I'll teach you. Um, tenderness is not number one attribute in the minds of many believers. Gentleness, kindness. Um, well, of course, the Holy Spirit has little place. Uh, but we are coming up. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. And um, it's been interesting these last days. We almost did it the six weeks from when Jesus rose to when he left and now we're coming up the last 10 days to Pentecost. Mm. 
and to realize how this was the springboard. This is how the church leaped into the world and started. And so many of you have expressed, you've never heard half these stories before. And um, this, as Andrew said last week, and I'm saying this week, this, this is where it, this is where it came to the head. This is where it is. Um, and all is in the Holy Spirit's class, which is in the kitchen. It's not in a schoolroom. And um, with no condemnation, and her method is to open the eyes of her understanding, grant us revelation, that we're not on a journey to get something. We're on a journey of discovery to who we already are and to all that we already have and a destiny we're already participating in. And she points to Abba, Father. Daddy, Daddy, Father. And of course, prior to that, Behind that, if you have, Abba says, you are my beloved in whom I am well pleased. And so, I guess you could say the teaching of the Spirit is she teaches us to dance, which is harmony. We're learning to live in harmony with the Holy Trinity. And I could go on. This is only the first quarter. But um, we'll leave it there because, um, well, we just could go on and on. And so let it be. Father, thank you. Thank you for the wonder, the balance, the beauty of who you are. And we ask indeed that through your Holy Spirit you will open the eyes of our understanding that we may live and move in your perfect plan. We receive it from you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.